Waha! Hey! Welcome back to a very off-brand episode of Hot Apocalypse. I'm Andy. I'm Josh, and uh, I study global warming. I'm a climate scientist. And I'm Andy. I'm a comic. I study boner jokes. And, uh, and He's an I, expert in that, too. I host uh, this show with Josh where we talk about how terrible things are. But this week... We have some good news. We've got great news. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're here to celebrate... The Green New Deal. Uh, yeah, to do that, yeah. we're, uh, we're going to share a drink uh, right. of the only good LaCroix, which right. is uh, the green one. Come right. On. right. It's green, so probably it looks like the uh, the earth behind us. In a way, we're all drinking the earth. Huh? We, we have right. two super awesome guests that uh, we're very excited about uh, this week. Last week, we talked to uh, Alexander, who helped us understand Venezuela. Today, we're uh, very lucky to be uh, uh, with a very notable activist that I'm a little intimidated by because she's super awesome. Varsheni Prakash is going to be with us talking about her activism and how she helped make this Green New Deal uh, a reality. I don't think I'm overstating when I say no, that. No, it's, it's really cool. And uh, we're also going to be talking uh, with Brad Johnson, also known as Climate uh, Brad, the founder of Climate Hawks vote, uh, who's going to help us understand uh, some of the things that happened in the State of the Union address. Climate Brad. Climate Brad. I'm Climate Andy with boner <laughs> jokes. Uh, but uh, together, we're, we're hot He's a comic who's chronically depressed and thinks we're doomed. He's a renowned climate scientist who crunched the numbers and knows we're doomed. Together, they're hoping to have a good time till it's over and tell you, we're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. Catchy bits. Hot apocalypse. Josh and I dancing. So, we're way off brand this week. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a this is a show about gloom and doom and disaster, and uh, we just can't get our stuff together this week because we got good news. Right, um, there's a, a green new deal maybe in the works uh, being thought about. We, hopefully, I, I understand what little I've read of it uh, to understand, but we have somebody who really gets it and really gets climate and activism in her bones and is here to uh, help us learn. Uh, Barshini Prakash, uh, all the way from Massachusetts. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. Uh, we're super excited to uh, to talk to you. So tell us a little bit, what is this Green New Deal that we keep hearing about? Sure, so the Green New Deal, we saw some pretty landmark, uh, a landmark resolution drop just yesterday, co-sponsored by Senator Markey in the Senate and um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the House. Um, and basically what this is, is a short resolution, um, a vision setting document for a 10 year plan to mobilize virtually every aspect of our society and our economy to move to an 100% clean and renewable future um, to guarantee a job for every person in this country who wants or needs one and to ensure that racial and economic equity um, and a just transition for workers is included as a core component um, of any uh, plan to tackle the climate crisis. So it is a wildly ambitious, um, but really grounded for the first time in I think American history, a document that is actually grounded uh, in the science put forward by uh, the IPCC that came out last fall that I'm sure you all talked about a ton. Um, and we are seeing that this is the first proposal that really puts forward a plan to tackle both the crisis uh, in our climate and also a, the crisis of 
skyrocketing and nauseating uh, wealth inequality as well. So uh, that's a nice. That's that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, uh, so you know, typically when we've thought about uh, addressing climate change, uh, using policy to address climate change, we tend to think of it as an issue all by itself. Uh, but this this is sort of a new take on it, right? It's packaging together a lot of social issues and climate issues. Uh, tell us about the kind of motivation for that. Yeah, well, part of it was seeing how people had talked about it in isolation for decades and looking up around us and saying, that's not working so well, is it? Um, so we started to actually think about how can we um, actually merge the climate crisis and the issue that we're facing with the climate crisis with, um, am I still here? I'm yes, you're still here. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, okay, were, we were shuffling a little bit, but we were wrapped. <laughs> no problem. Continue. Okay. Just making sure. Um, so how do we actually make the climate crisis um, relate to people's everyday lives? We're talking about the creation of tens of millions of good, high-paying jobs. We're talking about tackling pollution, toxic air, um, poisoned water, um, soil contamination that has been happening for millennia that has eroded um, our ecological health and is careening us towards this ecological and humanitarian crisis. Um, and so we really see this as a way to not own that, that the climate crisis is inextricably linked to issues of racial inequity and economic inequity uh, as well. I mean, in a way, it's sort of like the climate crisis was created by the rich and it's the results are being borne out by the poor. Absolutely. I mean, just think about the history of climate denialism in this country, right? We saw um, starting in the 1970s that groups like ExxonMobil had some of the best climate sciences science around. And then as soon as they realized that it was going to hurt their bottom line, you know, the wealthiest industry in the history of this planet, they embarked upon a massive um, disinformation and uh, a campaign to buy out the loyalty of politicians of both political parties um, to do their bidding and stymie progress on climate. And that is why in 2019, um, we have yet to see any kind of compressed, uh, comprehensive federal policy that targets the, that targets the climate crisis. Um, and so we're really, trying to combat the way in which these fossil fuel executives and, and the lobbyists who work for them have halted progress on the issue and then forced the majority of the human population, um, particularly the working class and the global south, to bear the burden of um, their uh, their actions to protect their own profits. Uh, Varshi, that's so well stated. And, and, uh, and with Sunrise Movement, you've really been sort of at the heart of a lot of this activism. Uh, uh, the organization has been so involved with uh, with pushing this agenda, and it's like we're starting to finally see the big ideas to take on this big problem that are so exciting. And and one thing that keeps coming into mind when I hear this is the idea of intersectionality. That that, that that's you know a movement a, a word that's thrown a lot in the sort of the social justice movement, and this is sort of a part of social justice and environment. Could you talk about it all, all about intersectionality and what that might in this context? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we think about like some of the things that are actually entailed in a Green New Deal, essentially like protecting uh, our earth and our people and protecting human civilization as we know it for generations to come, these are concepts and ideas that indigenous communities have been talking about forever and they have been leading some of the fight around um you know, protecting our water from pipelines like the Keystone XL pipeline and 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 Dapple, as we saw play out in the last few years, um, we've been seeing communities on the front lines of crisis, um, Black and Brown communities in Flint, Michigan, who have been uh, faced with lead lead poisoned waters and children who are suffering the ramifications of our government's negligence on this front. Um, there's so much more how communities of color are often the ones who bear the brunt of the pollution from fossil fuel combustion. Um, so, and, and from our, uh, frankly, completely outdated infrastructure system. So um, we really are, there is no way to tackle the climate crisis without going through racial and economic justice. There is no way. We have tried it before and it has not succeeded. And we are here to say to the Democratic Party that this is a winning strategy. It's a popular strategy. It's actually even a, bi there's bipartisan support for many of the concepts laid out in a Green New Deal. Um, and this is what it's gonna take to actually revitalize our economy um, and, and truly build an America that works for all of us. Andy's getting excited. I, I love it. I love it. It's really exciting. I mean, it's unprecedented. You know, like I like 67 co-sponsors in the House out the gate, 10 uh, or 12 co-sponsors in the Senate, five of whom are presidential candidates like this. I, we sat in a Nancy Pelosi's office in on November 13th, and from that moment, we have seen thousands of people visiting their congressional office, uh, visiting congresspeople's offices, um, sending letters, tweets, letters to the editor, to local newspapers. We are seeing dozens of politicians who we never thought would be interested in something like this. Um, getting on board and i am just blown away by what we've been able to do in just a few months because a bunch of kids uh and a very courageous morally guided politician had the guts to call for what is necessary in this moment it is fantastic yeah. it is fantastic you've been such a big part of this and and, and by the way as a guest i feel like we're going to ask you to come on again and again because this is such a wealth of great great i'm happy back. to be here but, yeah. but if we could just at least just one more question here for you can you talk a little bit about that dynamic with the Democratic leadership, with Pelosi? Um, how is that? How is that working out? Hey, I mean, we're going to go and push every Democrat in the caucus, every politician really in Congress um, to support this resolution by Ocasio-Cortez and Markey. Um, we're feeling excited that the select committee for the climate crisis that um, Nancy Pelosi created actually includes many of the original supporters of the select committee for the Green New Deal that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez proposed as a rep-elect. Um, we are I'm feeling particularly excited because last Tuesday, um, over 5,000 plus people tuned in to our unveiling of a national grassroots distributed campaign for a Green New Deal. And now 650 office visits have been planned for the first half of next week. Um, and we are hitting uh, 41 states in three days to talk to Congress people in every, as many districts in America as possible 
to ensure that they back this resolution. So the difference between, you know, Waxman Markey in 2009, the difference now is that there is quite literally an army of young people out in the streets and who are going to be voting on this issue and ensuring that it remains a top political priority um, for through 2020. I'll tell you what, uh, Varshini, we salute you. Yeah. Uh, this is great. This is great. Uh, there really is a youth-driven movement uh, to really change things right now. And I would say that uh, Varshini is sort of at the, uh, uh, the tip of the spear, to use an overused uh, military uh, <laughs> yeah. analogy. Uh, it's completely inappropriate in this, in Thank this context. Thank you. Varshini, you are awesome. Uh, we really love what you're doing. We really appreciate you being here. Yeah. Uh, this is super helpful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And it is not gloom and doom out there. There is a ton of hope. So if you're watching this, go to sunrisemovement.org, join the army. Um, we are more than excited to have you. That's sunrisemovement.org. There you go. All right, everybody head there. Uh, hey. Varshini, thank you so much. Keep up the good fight and we'll check in with you from time to time if that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic, yes, happy on. I'd love to be here. All right. <laughs> cool. I, it feels so weird being this cheerful right? here. I know, I know. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a little disconcerting. I feel like we need some, some bad news again. Oh, right? well, <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll bet we can pull that off. Uh, and, and, uh, and just, uh, we've got uh, Brad coming up. Uh, he's going to uh, help walk us through some of these details from the State of right. the Union and some of these uh, climate specifics. Oh. Oh, but I forgot. We have one more bit of good news. Holy cow. Right? What is it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, China, right? Holy I, you know, cow. Josh, Josh got very excited about yeah, this right, for good right, reason. Right, right, right. Uh, everybody, <laughs> you know, whenever you're like, oh, global warming's happening, and, and you're talking to somebody who's uh, kind of in denial or just doesn't think we should do anything sure. about it, very often uh, they say, oh, well, it doesn't matter what we do because China is going to ruin the environment. China, anyway, right? yeah, they're going to yeah, screw it all exactly. up, right? Yeah. Uh, but this year, just recently, now this isn't brand new news, but it happened earlier, uh, earlier this month, earlier this year. Um, China uh, decided that they're going to spend a third of a trillion dollars on renewable energy in the next 10 years. A third of a trillion. Right. By my math, that is over a million dollars yes. that they're going to spend. Significantly more than okay. $1 million. Okay. That's <laughs> right. really exciting. And, and so that seems like the sort of thing that um, that can develop a marketplace, an economy. It, it, it can, in fact. Uh, and what they've already spent is already developing the marketplace. Uh, I think last year, China became the largest producer of solar energy. So uh, actually, they're kind of ahead of us in a way. I'm going to have to drink a lot more booze with my antidepressants in order to feel bad about all this because there's a lot of good news coming our way, guys. Yeah. This is a very exciting week. Let's. Uh, uh, and another exciting thing about all this, Josh, we finally got a sponsor. We have a sponsor? Oh, man. You know, you do a video cast about an important topic. You hope that corporate America will ca catch up and start advertising with us. Uh, please, let's, uh, let's check out these oh, good guys wait. in corporate America. <laughs> Are we moving forward? Are we making progress? The next generation isn't going to want to hear our excuses. Well, I would say, you know, every choice we make affects the environment. And I feel like they have to be aware of that. I think we can make offshore drilling safe. We need to look at all of our options. Wind, solar. Are our fossil fuels as clean as possible? Is our oil as clean as possible? Is our coal as clean as possible? They're doing a great job. Oh, 
Oh, wow. A uh, little message from uh, the partisans in the Second City. Thanks for Second City for uh, giving us permission to use that clip. Uh, handsome devil at the end. Wow. I know. He had better hair back then. <laughs> so uh, that is, of course, about sort of the problems that, uh, that uh, corporate America has when they train greenwash uh, the things that they're involved in with the environment. Uh, we also wound up in a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it'd be greenwashing, but uh, certainly trying to put lipstick on a pig uh, <laughs> at the State of the Union this, uh, this week. Yeah, and, uh, and we have a guest. I think we have a guest. Brad, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Brad is here. Um, yeah. Brad is here, but only I can hear Brad right okay, now. Okay, <laughs> I don't have my ears, but uh, sorry, so, Brad, we're, we're stopping uh, through some tech here, but, but we hey. see you and can uh, get you. Yes, hey, uh, Brad, can yeah. you hear me? I can hear oh, you. Oh, awesome. Uh, you probably won't hear Andy. Uh, well, maybe you'll hear Andy, but Andy won't hear you. I can I hear Andy. stupid shit anyway. Br yes. Uh, I hear him. Fine. You guys can't hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. Uh, but uh, so we're on with uh, Brad Johnson, also known as... Climate Brad. Climate Brad. Uh, from Climate Hawks yeah. Vote. And, and Brad is a tireless activist on these issues. And uh, we were, we've been meaning to get Brad on in some capacity or another, and the perfect opportunity arose this week when he was tweeting about that list that uh, our president yeah, uh, yeah. went through at the end of the city. Brad, can you talk a little bit what, what inspired you? Well, so during the State of the Union, uh, one thing that a bunch of reporters talked about was how, oh, uh, Donald Trump didn't talk about global warming at all. And uh, I pointed out that that was pretty much the only thing that was in his speech, really. Uh, you know, one thing was he touted how uh, great it is that uh, the United States is uh, producing like more uh, oil than ever, which is really something that uh, Obama should get credit for more than Trump. Uh, but I guess we can consider it a bipartisan accomplishment. And the other thing that he talked about uh, at the end is he had a little kind of, I don't know, uh, you know, Walt Whitman-esque uh, stretch, uh, probably plagiarized by some from somebody. Uh, about uh, the beautiful parts of all the different beautiful parts of the United States. It had a kind of real, um, uh, you know, kind of Pete Seeger feel. Uh, and if you just go through the list of the, uh, the places he named, which was, oh, the, here's the phrase. He talked about uh, legislators from across this magnificent republic, the rocky shores of Maine and the volcanic peaks of Hawaii, I don't think he pronounced it like that. From the snowy woods of Wisconsin and the red deserts of Arizona, from the green farms of Kentucky and the golden beaches of California. And uh, the fun thing is that you can just go down all of those places and see all of the ways that they're getting screwed by uh, climate pollution already and how bad it is uh, for all those places in the future. And the, the Oh, you don't have to like go to some kind of advocate. Uh, you can go to the report that uh, the Trump administration put out. I mean, they tr they tried to bury it by having it come out the the day after Thanksgiving, uh, and so it turned out that it was actually a bad idea because then there wasn't really any other news. So it was one of the few times that you actually saw corporate media talking about global warming, and not that that's a bugbear of mine, but. Uh, in that report, which was produced by basically every single agency in working in collaboration with the federal government, uh, they go into really just remarkable detail on what the science of what's going on across the country with global warming is. And that's the uh, the National Climate Assessment is what it's the called. The National Climate Assessment. 
Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I said that like I'm drunk. Uh, <laughs> hey, Brad, so it's, I, that's I a like good the idea. message here is that there's um, the, the issues around climate are just global. They're local, that these are going to be as, as affecting everybody in the United States on some level as we go here. There's just no getting away well, from and it. Well, and yeah, and like actually to kind of more fine point, it's not that it's going to be affecting, it's that it already has been for the last several decades. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you're looking at like the rocky shores of Maine where the fisheries are collapsing and, uh, you know, the sea level is rising at an ever faster rate or you or, you know, the snowy woods of Wisconsin, which are losing both the woods and the snow. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, so I shouldn't laugh at that. The, <laughs> no, I mean, it is like it, there's a if it wasn't our only planet and we weren't uh, a species on it, uh, it would be very funny. It, we would be pulling a massive, hilarious prank on ourselves if we had some alternative to go to after this. Yeah. As it no, is. No, it's, it's yeah, depressing. this is this is like an epic epic self-prank. Brad, uh, that is, what a great rundown. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's terrific. <laughs> that was uh, awesome. And uh, Brad, uh, this, this sort of sort of granular look at what our, what our politicians are saying versus what is actually happening, I think is so helpful because uh, the rhetoric just spills out uh, on our television <laughs> so often. And when it's written in this uh, sort of quasi-lyrical Stephen Miller uh, I've only read one novel, and this is how I write speeches now, <laughs> sort of style. I think it's important to have uh, a knowledgeable fact checker like yourself saying like, wait a second, here's the actual case. Yeah, yeah, you're doing an incredible service for everyone, Brad. Uh, and uh, thank you, Brad. Uh, we want to have Brad on again again as well. Uh, Brad, you're, uh, we, we're going to look to you if that's cool uh, to help explain some stuff uh, down the line uh, in future episodes, if that's okay with you. Yeah, come back, Brad. Oh, that's great. Yeah, happy to. And, and if we want to find uh, find you online, uh, where do people go uh, to find Climate Brad? Uh, I'm Climate Brad on Twitter is the uh, kind of the best place. I also do some posting at hillheat.com. Great. But, uh, uh, Brad, thank Twitter's you so much. Uh, we're going to talk to Brad again very soon, and uh, we'll see you from sea to shining sea, Brad. Great. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you, Brad. Thank yeah. you, Marcine. What great guests we had today. We've, uh, we've still got to get through the reasons why we're all screwed this week, uh, which will be very sad and very depressing. Uh, and then we're going to come back with some climate FOMO, some good news. Yeah, yeah, because we don't want to leave you depressed like we are kind of all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's why there's Zola. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get some uh, audience questions as well. Uh, oh, yeah. We, we are working to incorporate this more and more in our format. If you have a question, a comment, there are knowledgeable people and ridiculous people who can talk, speak to them. Uh, please feel free to leave us comments uh, and questions yeah. on the Facebook page on Being Liberal. We will get to them, if not during the show, afterwards. We right. will do our best. We had a, we had a great one uh, uh, from uh, a day ago. Oh, let's see. Um, Robert said, uh, have these guys actually flown over the Arctic Ocean from North America, from the North American shore to the Asian shore themselves once or twice to take a look? Or do they just soak up all the propaganda? Excellent question, Robert. <laughs> Actually, yes, I have flown over the Arctic a number of times, uh, and I've seen with my own eyes the ice that's uh, disappearing there and the ice that's disappearing in Greenland because I actually study global warming uh, for NASA. So, yeah, I fly around in planes. I don't speak for NASA, though. I speak for the USDA for some reason. I don't know why they it's let weird. me do that. Yeah. It's strange the that National they would let Library that happen. Yeah. Otherwise, I speak for no one. Uh, no, I... Uh, 
So if you're looking, uh, and I think that's a, actually a reasonable question that, yeah. somebody, that a troll asked, is what is your level of expertise? Uh, Josh has actually seen these things with his own eyes as well as uh, using the tools of data collection. And I uh, am a mess and uh, am on Reddit a lot. So, I, uh, so we're, we're pretty, it's similar. We're it's very, very similar. close, it's very close. Uh, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, the bad news is we're all gonna die. Here's some reasons why we're all gonna die. And we play the intro. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. Hot pocalypse. <laughs> that's uh, that's our very dreary intro to this segment. I know. I love it. it. It puts me. It really puts me in the mood to talk about reasons we're all gonna die. Reasons why yeah. we're all gonna die. Yeah. And uh, we've got a bunch this week, uh, as usual. What's 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 top on your mind uh, this week, Josh? Well, you know, it's a new year. True. We're kind of starting out a new year. It's mm. 2019. Mm. Uh, so it's time to look back at the old years and uh, uh, retrospective. Retrospective. Yeah. That's right. And NASA and NOAA uh, released their uh, uh, assessment for the climate of the year. Mm. Uh, and it was really. 2018. Uh, 2018 was the fourth hottest year on record. Um, so you're like, oh, fourth. We're only we can we only came Maybe in fourth, down. right? It's going down. Yeah, right. Even but actually, if you look at all the if you look at all the years uh, for the last decade, um, <laughs> all of the last uh, five years have been in the five hottest years. Wow. So uh, you know the planet's warming, and and you know my informal. Prediction is yeah. that 2019 will will probably be at the top of this list. I make the same prediction. Uh, I base mine on uh, being satellite. What are you basing yours on? Uh, data. Reams but, of data. Right. right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, okay, that, that is a very valid reason why we're all going to die. But Josh, uh, if I weren't concerned about global issues, say, and I'm more focused on, say, what I'm going to have for lunch, like a, a real granular issue, uh, why would I care about global warming? Uh, well, uh, it turns out that if you uh, eat lettuce, that was a brilliant segue. I mean, Andy. come on. Were I'm you wait, Were you just waiting the whole time Josh, for that I'm one? I'm a video <laughs> professional. I could that was brilliant. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, if, if you're going to have lettuce on your sandwich. I love lettuce on my you sandwich. Know, or maybe you're going to have a salad, mm. eat some kale, have a smoothie. Some, once a month, whether I need it or not. <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, um, well, uh, lettuce actually may be beginning to suffer from climate change just uh, like the rest of us. What, what, what? Yeah, lettuce, yeah. So there's a new, uh, there's some newer studies actually, uh, you know, the FDA, we've had all these uh, uh, outbreaks of E. coli. I'm against that, by the way. I know, we don't want the E. coli. Um, but there's some new research that's starting to suggest that uh, lettuce might become more susceptible to E. coli seeding uh, in extreme weather events. And of course, with global warming, we're gonna get more extreme weather events. So really high heat, uh, really big rainfall, um, and uh, it actually has the potential to start threatening the uh, the lettuce crops. Okay, okay. Uh, I, uh, the E. coli thing is uh, particularly threatening to me right now. I'm a new father, so I'm dealing with a lot of poo right now. That's a big part yeah. of my life is poo. Yeah. And uh, th th that's uh, a nightmare poo situation. It's a it's a poop train, and you're on it, Andy. <laughs> e. coli. <Yeah. laughs> uh, okay, yes. Okay, so so that's bad. Uh, but Josh, I want to get away for our third reason why we're all going to die this week. I want to get away from uh, the climate just for a second. Okay. And talk about uh, a different kind of winter, nuclear winter. 
Wow. Yeah, uh, the, the threat of uh, a, a faster immolation and destruction of the entire Earth wow. than the one we're talking about with the climate, and that's uh, nuclear destruction. And we got wow. a little closer to that this week uh, when our uh, genius administration decided to step out of the INF Treaty, and uh, the treaty that has really kept uh, a lot of Western Europe safe from uh, a, a very specific kind of threat from uh, inter intermediate-range missiles yeah. uh, for decades now. And uh, we're just kind of getting rid of it. And right after that happened, I think this has been undercovered in the news on this. Uh, right after that happened, uh, uh, Russia, the United States, and France all did some very uh, uh, saber-rattly tests of missiles that were very public and clearly meant to send a message. That really hasn't gotten out, though. These missiles are actually flying, given without warheads, right now uh, through the airspace because of this decision. I'm against it. Wow, it's like they were just waiting to pop all those off. You know, it's funny you should say pop all that off because I can't think of a more phallic representation <laughs> of toxic masculinity than right. sending these giant dicks into the air as yeah. a uh, as a saber rattling, right? as it were. Sometimes well, a saber is just a saber. At least one of them was French, so you know that was the laid back missile. That was right? the chill one, the, yeah. Yes. It looked, it looked its best in the right. air. Uh, and you know, uh, I think for our fourth uh, reason why we're all going to die this week, we're looking at uh, a Washington Post article, which is actually really good. Uh, it's called, Everything is Not Going to Be Okay, How to Live with Constant Reminders that the Earth is in Trouble. And, w and when I, when I saw this... It's like they've been watching the show, Andy. Right? You think they're fans? <laughs> Maybe they are. Oh, hi, WAPO. Hey! Uh, good work I on subscribe. I, I should. I know. <laughs> I get past your firewall. <laughs> uh, so, so Washington Post, uh, I, I was prepared for this to be the usual pablum that you sometimes see of like, how to cope with your feelings about climate and how to not worry about it. Right. This was a little bit more direct to say, you need to accept, we need to accept, that things aren't going to be okay uh, in the future. Clim climate is uh, careening towards disaster. The way to cope with it isn't to, uh, pretend that it's not going to be, it's to accept that it is not going to be okay, and then move according, uh, according to that. Wow, just embrace the hot apocalypse. Embrace the hot apocalypse. It's like they read our minds. I know, <laughs> so cool. Surely we'll be getting a check from I, I think we, I, I'm looking forward to it, yeah. <laughs> I um, should subscribe someday. <laughs> There's, there's got to be another reason we're all going to die. There is one more. We have one more reason this week why we're all going to die. And this one, it's a trick one. It's a trick? Yeah, this one kind of zigs and then zags. Uh, so the reason, uh, this is actually a, a very clever meme, uh, that uh, it's about... Uh, yeah, Andy, you sent me this meme. I didn't understand it at all. Oh, good. I just want to tell you that. I perplexed it. Oh, you did. <laughs> I was baffled. I've I was been, baffled. This uh, is the fulfillment of a dream. <laughs> uh, so this is about a gentleman named Bolsonaro, uh, who is uh, the new leader of Brazil, and he's a terrible man. Uh, and so he, uh, one of the reasons why he's tied into this show is that he is threatening to destroy uh, a lot of rainforest uh, in the name of uh, corporate development and industrial development. Uh, and that, of course, would affect the whole planet in disastrous ways. Please don't do that. Don't do that. We're, yeah. we're, if you're watching Mr. Bolsonaro, yeah. we don't like you. Hang and, on. Um, yeah. Just, just wait a while. Just stop doing. give it a rest. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the bad news this week is that he is uh, in the hospital with uh, a critical case of pneumonia. Of course, here at Hotpocalypse, we are humanists and would never wish a human being ill. And yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, he, might suffer, he might suffer and die. And if that happens, we are... Maybe the rainforest will be... Maybe the rainforest will be okay. Okay. 
So yeah. mm. we have no influence over these mm. events, but we're here to toast them. Um. I love green drinking the green glass. What 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 happened the to the? Drink. I gotta ask though. What what happened to the small child in the meme? Uh, she she is now surrounded by padded doorknobs wherever she goes. So oh, she's in a much better place. That's good. That's Not good. Brazil. You've got to save the small child who bumps her head on the doorknob. Yeah. Now, Josh, let's close out the show. We're, we're, we're getting towards the end of the show where we try and present some good news about the climate. Yes. Which we started out the show we with. We did. It. It's been a, overall, it's been a very happy broadcast, I think. I think not drinking booze during the broadcast might Perhaps. It could, it could help, right? We'll save it for later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a little bit of climate FOMO. FOMO. Uh, and, and, and Josh, you're a scientist. You probably know what FOMO means. Fear. Uh, of missing out. That's Fear it. Fear of missing out. Yes. Oh, these scientists. They're not, they're not Sorry. good with research. That's the problem. Um, I could Google it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so FOMO, climate FOMO, things that uh, are potentially really good that are happening in the climate yeah. around the world uh, that we wish were happening right here. Andy, save the day, please. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this first one is one that I'm very excited about. Uh, this uh, a, a magazine I found, a publication called Jacobin, is uh, it's it's sort of a lefty rag, so we say. Ooh, okay. But their editorial board has just come out with uh, with sort of a new proposal uh, that uh, that I think is really bold and smart, and the sort of Overton min window moving uh, that the Green New Deal uh, represents is also replicated in this. It's time to try fossil fuel executives for crimes against humanity. Wouldn't it be great to see Rex Tillerson frog march? <laughs> I, uh, the NASA guy might not be able to say that, but I can. When in doubt, put some rich people in jail. Oh, I'm for it. I'm yeah. for it. Uh, so, so this is this is a new proposal, but uh, and it probably isn't going to happen next week. But this is the sort of Overton window moving. Uh, we'll be hearing that phrase a lot in the next few years, I think. But the sort of way to, to open up a new uh, set of dialogues around an issue in a way that expands the dialogue. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you look back at our history and, and, and in the United States, there are periods where uh, we were like into electric cars, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, into renewables. And then, you know, often we would be kind of steered back by misinformation or incorrect stuff. And so, uh, you know, in a, in a very real way, maybe these guys are really guilty. Wow. Wow, he doesn't speak for NASA, but he speaks for my heart. That's right. <laughs> uh, so so let's, uh, let's move on. We've got another uh, bit of good news. Uh, this is sort of interesting. Uh, you know, we're always sort of ambivalent, I think, about the role of capitalism uh, in either solving or addressing uh, climate-based issues. But this is kind of an interesting one, I think. Uh, Plant-based burger battle heats up as culinary rivals roll out new products. So, so there is uh, a battle for our stomachs, yes. which uh, we want Team Plant to win. Yeah, I mean, fake burger is going to be king, yes. right? Yeah, we want it to be king. And I say this as a guy from Indiana who grew up, uh, I eat meat with every meal. I am not. Yeah. I'm not proud of that, but it's. A thing. <laughs> but I. But I. Suckers like me need to be tempted into new habits. Right. And I think uh, this battle between two prominent uh, burger companies. We'll let them make their own uh, plug for each other. But two prominent makers of vegetarian burgers are uh, are fighting out for uh, for the winner of the taste test. And have you tried these? Have you tried? I them? haven't yet, but I hear that they are. Impossible. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. they're, they're, they are very good replicates of the meat-eating experience, which, again, I'm, I'm embarrassed that that's necessary for me. But yeah, I, well, you know, right? I you're mean, from Texas. I am. I grew, up in the, I grew up in the South. We ate, we ate meat every meal, and, you know, I still, I haven't cut out, I've tried to reduce my meat consumption, but uh, there it is. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to be total 
vegetarian. They sell beef jerky right in the checkout lane. So anyway, if we can change consumer habits, perhaps that is a way to uh, modify our rush towards doom. Uh, And our last one is uh, uh, Australia, right? Yes, uh, Australia. Man, Australia, I'll tell you, just when I think Australia, I've got it figured out. I I always think it's a land of rednecks uh, being eaten by (laughs) sharks while they're drunk. But it's more than that. It is, it is. Uh, (laughs) Australia is apparently on track to meet the Paris climate agreements. So they are, are they are, uh, their obligations under Paris Accords, which are specific to each country, they have made uh, some agreements to uh, to meet some fossil fuel uh, weeding out and some development of renewables, and they're kicking butt. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's sort of neat. You know, when you see these countries really uh, focus and commit resources and uh, and work hard towards addressing climate change, turns out, hey, they can do way more than they thought they could. Yeah, and, <laughs> right? and you know, I, I've heard, Austra- that's, that's, what a good point, Josh, and, I, and I've heard Australia described so often as being, it's, I've, I've heard it uh, as a Texan, you'll appreciate this, described as Texas with weirder accents. Oh, that's offensive to someone, but yeah, I don't know so who, I'm not yeah. sure who, Aborigines, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. But the, uh, but the, all the fossil fuel resources they have there, plus all the rednecks that they have there, has created a perception that Australia is going to be very backward. Perhaps they're beating that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just a little sometimes. But maybe that's just what we need. Yeah. It's like Vegemite. A little goes a very long way. Yes. You guys can just keep all that stuff. Yeah. Minute Vegemite. work, we're done with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I, I think that wraps up our, our climate FOMO for the week. Wow. We did it, Andy. Gosh. I think we did it. This has been a, a, an outstanding episode, I feel, because uh, we got to talk to Varshini Prakash. I know. So many fun guests. Uh, she was awesome, and we're going to talk to her more and more. Yes, definitely. We got to talk to Brad Johnson. Brad climate Johnson. Brad. Yeah. Uh, Very informative on the President's State of the Union and how these uh, areas are being specifically impacted. Yeah, I'm so glad that uh, these folks are out there uh, uh, doing good, do-gooders. You know, it's weird you should mention that, Josh, because you're about to jet off to another exotic locale. I am. I am. I'm going to be in Greenland next week. Uh, for uh, to work with some colleagues, and I, it happens that I'm going to be there on the first ever Greenland uh, National Climate Day. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. So, uh, so Should you'll be, be doing climatey things with yes. climate scientists, and it will be on National Climate Day. That's right, on National Cli- Greenland National Climate Day. Holy yep. crap, Ola! So uh, Josh will be uh, will be skyping in next. Yes, week. yes. Look for me in the little box, and we'll probably have uh, 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 some guests as well. But Josh can help us understand what's going on in Greenland, his very important research there, and just uh, the way those developments are going to affect us. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, Greenland has enough ice in it to raise sea levels globally by twenty five feet if it all melted today. Mm, uh, so it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, what happens in Greenland? It doesn't stay in Greenland. Mm. It, uh, it, it, it hits coasts all around the world: California, uh, Australia, uh, Southeast Asia. Everywhere is affected. Everywhere with a coastline is affected when Greenland loses ice. You know, uh, here's a little bit of science that you might probably don't know. Uh, this is a little mnemonic trick trick to help you. Greenland is very icy, whereas Iceland is very green. E. Greeny. You want to write that down? Is that useful to you? It is. All yeah. right, I'll, I'll text it to you later. Yeah, please. Uh, I'm Andy Cobb. I'm Josh Willis. And together we are Hot Hotpocalypse. We're going to be here every week. 
We're on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Vimeo. Twitter, I think. Twitter, yeah. SoundCloud. Uh, we're SoundCloud rappers now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I just remembered one of those. So. Oh no, it was excellent, it was a good one. <laughs> uh, and we're gonna be on Twitch soon playing video games. I don't know, probably. Probably. Uh, but we really appreciate you being here. We really appreciate your questions, your comments. Uh, we haven't got to, uh, we only got to one this week. I know, uh, maybe we'll get to some more next and, uh, time, And we do try and go through uh, afterwards and, uh, and address uh, questions and comments, and those are really important to us. Yeah. Uh, starting next week, we're really going to try and make those more of an integrated part of the show. Yes. Keep talking to us. Keep sending us your thoughts, and uh, we'll send you ours. Yeah. Uh, look, we promise a much more depressing show next week. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really sad. We let you down with all our pumping you up this week, but uh, Green New Deal, uh, applause. Applause to everyone involved, and applause specifically to Varshini Prakash, who was uh, really involved in making that happen. Absolutely. A hero. Like you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Visit us online at hotpocalypse.com. Music by Kevin McLeod and Competech.com.